0: Welcome, I'm Dr. Brian Cole, and on this episode of Sports Medicine Weekly, we're going to discuss testosterone replacement therapy. We'll also address should athletes be able to supplement, and we'll talk about our regular listeners who tune into our podcast to speak to can they take testosterone, can they do so safely, and when is the proper time to
1: actually consider doing this. But first, I'd like to have a word from our sponsors. Sports Medicine Weekly is the sports enthusiast's resource for fitness, nutrition, injury prevention, and treatment. The Sports Medicine Weekly podcast is sponsored by JRF Ortho. JRF Ortho partners with orthopedic surgeons to improve the quality of life of patients by enabling them to have an active life through the generous gift of cartilage and ligament transplantation. Please go to jrfortho.org to learn more or sign up to be a tissue donor at Donate Life net rush physical therapy the therapists at rush physical therapy are here for you with more than 60 locations throughout greater chicagoland rush's clinical experts will get you back to life go to rushpt.com today to schedule an appointment not sure if physical therapy is right for you? Request a complimentary consultation and discover the power of Rush Physical Therapy today. Karen Malkin and Karen Malkin's new Protein Brownie Bar and Superfood Bars. The best tasting bars on the market. Certified gluten-free, paleo, and no added sugar. Karen's Protein Brownie Bars and Superfood Bars. Available on Amazon and at karenmulkin.com. So I think before we
0: get started, it's important to inform our listeners to a little bit of background about what testosterone is. So testosterone is a hormone. It's a male sex hormone. It's otherwise known as an androgynous hormone. And I think most of us are kind of familiar with that terminology. It's made in some very specific cells in our testes, well, at least in the male testes. They're called the Leydig cells. But it's also made in the ovaries of females. And it's also produced in the adrenal cortex around the kidney. So it comes from a variety of places, both in men and women. And it's controlled by a small gland in our brain called the pituitary gland. And that actually controls how much testosterone that each of us make. Now, in the major sex glands, such as the testicles or the ovaries of both males and females, testosterone production is regulated by something called the pituitary gonadal feedback loop. It's basically a loop that can measure how much is produced in our body. And our brain kicks in to say, should we make more or should these glands make less? It also involves another hormone called the luteinizing hormone, and that's basically a hormone system that's regulated by our brain to tell our bodies to say, hey, we need to produce more or less testosterone. And remember, this is both in males and females. So when testosterone is measured, we often will measure something called total testosterone and free testosterone. So there's a difference between the two. So total testosterone measures the total amount of testosterone in our body. So it could be what's bound what's bound to proteins, that is, what's free, and what's actually what we call bioavailable, what's usable by our system. And generally, most of our testosterone circulates in our bloodstream in a bound manner. It's actually bound to a protein or globulin, and that's basically what it does as it flows through our system. It's, It's bound to something called albumin or globulin. And basically, it's bound very weakly to that. And it's not readily available to use in our bodies for its various biologic activities until it dissociates or becomes unbound. So it's a very complex pathway, as I've told you. It's, it's, it's regulated by our brain through the pituitary gonadal axis. And we circulate both bound and free testosterone. And the stuff that really works, that does what it's supposed to do, has to be free. So when you're measuring testosterone in your body, we don't just measure one type, we actually measure the total, the free, and what's actually considered bioavailable, what's available to us to use in our system. And we measure that along with our levels of what we call SHBG, that's the sex hormone binding globulin. Now you don't need as a listener to remember all that, but either your primary care physician or an endocrinologist can easily measure all of these things. So what you'd again want to measure is your total testosterone, the free testosterone, that which is bioavailable, and then they'll also measure that which is bound into something called globulin. And once you get that, a knowledgeable individual, typically a primary care physician or an endocrinologist, can advise you as to what your normal or abnormal levels are. So I guess the most important question is what processes do testosterone control? And um, in general, in men, it regulates libido. Uh, how we distribute fat, both visceral fat and subcutaneous fat. Visceral fat is that which surrounds our organs, which is very important, especially as a as a risk factor for cardiac or heart disease. We all know that it contributes to the development of muscle mass and strength, and that's where a lot of us have interests. But it relates to the production of red blood cells and actually sperm. Some of the other benefits are though that it can get it can provide an overall feeling of just well being. In women, it's a bit different. It's a precursor to estrogen. It helps with growth, maintenance, and repair of the women's uh, female's reproductive system. It also regulates bone mass and behavior. So it has a lot of very important functions in women as well as men. So when you get your blood tests, whether it's your total or your free or what's bioavailable or what's bound, what will happen is there'll be reference levels of testosterone that you'll see on your on the uh, report. So rather than go through what's normal and abnormal, I think it's just important to look at the report to see what the normal reference ranges are. The one the one level that most people will focus on is the uh, normal levels of testosterone in terms of total testosterone, that's somewhere in the neighborhood of 280 to 1100 nanograms per deciliter. But again, it's not important that you know this other than the fact that there's a reference range range that's provided by all the labs that actually test for this, and you should look what your blood test level is, whether it's the free or bound um, bioavailable testosterone and see how your level compares to the reference range, range, and that's what's important. So why is this such an issue? What are the consequences of low testosterone in men? Well, men with low T, as we say, may have the following symptoms. They can have large breasts because of the estrogen that circulates that's not inhibited by testosterone, a lower sex drive, erectile dysfunction, issues pertaining to fertility, testicular changes... It affects bone mass in men as well, as well as women, irritability, trouble concentrating, loss of muscle mass, trouble accreting or improving muscle mass, hair loss, depression, fatigue, and anemia. So as you can see, it's a very important hormone that circulates in our body and has a lot of very important functions, which is why we've had such intense focus on testosterone replacement therapy. Now... One of the challenges is that when testosterone is, is replaced through TRT or testosterone replacement therapy, we have to be very careful to prevent having what we call supra levels of testosterone. So supra levels are associated really in the setting of substance abuse. So when it's properly restored through uh, that, that which with a provider, whether it's a gel or a pellet or other, um, we're, the goal is to get into normal range sort of that 200 to 1100 range, 200 nanograms, it's it's 200 nanograms per deciliter all the way up to 1100. So that's the range that uh, we will attempt to achieve by testosterone replacement therapy. But when it's super physiologic or there's doses that are taken that are above normal, then problems can begin. And this is marked by blood tests that show very high levels of free testosterone. And it also will reduce the amount of bound testosterone, making more bioavailable testosterone in our body, which is actually a bad thing if it's excessive. That can lead to increased blood pressure, uh, problems with mood, enlarged heart, cardiac issues. It can be very, very detrimental to one's health. So testosterone therapy is not meant to induce what we call a supraphysiologic level of testosterone. The goal is really to get it back to normal levels. So what is TRT or testosterone replacement therapy? It's basically a widely used replacement therapy to treat people who have symptomatic, what we call hypogonadism or low T. And it really has to be prescribed by a physician. This is not something you can go to a pharmacy for. It's not something that you can take over the counter, but it has to be prescribed by a physician. And if you're an individual who is uh, diagnosed as having hypogonadism or we'll call low T, you know, what are the benefits of TRT? Well, it can be increased libido, increase mood, uh, increase drive and motivation. It can improve bone density. It can increase your response to exercise, includes, including muscle size and strength compared to your baseline. And it can actually have what we call cardioprotective or f- positive effects on your heart. But there are potential side effects of TRT or a testosterone replacement therapy. It can increase your blood count excessively, a condition known as polycythemia. It can cause swelling or what we call uh, peripheral edema. It can Lead to cardiac dysfunction and even liver dysfunction. So it's very important that we sort of understand who can benefit from TRT or testosterone replacement therapy. It could be older young men or women who have low testosterone levels that's proven by proper blood tests. Uh, individuals who've on, who are on steroid who have had a history of steroid abuse uh, might have low T, and that might be something that's very important to restore the testosterone levels. There are individuals who are undergoing gender transition who can benefit from testosterone replacement therapy. And then the big controversy is athletes. So I would tell you that, uh, in generally speaking, uh, testosterone therapy leading to super physiologic or excessive levels is is not permissible in competitive sports. It is possible under certain situations for an athlete to gain an exemption, but it's very sport specific in terms of how it's han- in terms of uh, how it's handled, including WADA. Uh, who, who governs sort of almost all sports, including Olympic sports. So if if you're involved as an athlete, I would tell you that it has to be under uh, physician supervision, typically an endocrinologist is involved, and you would be diagnosed with low T or what we call hypogonadism before it would even be considered to undergo testosterone replacement therapy. But it's also a very controversial area because some people will simply say, look, that's the way you're built, that's your physiology, and it's simply cheating uh, to take some type of replacement therapy. But suffice it to say, it is possible that that exemptions can be, can be had in certain sports and there are athletes who will pursue this. I think the best question to ask ourselves is, look, absent of a physician prescribing it as athletes or individuals interested in fitness and health, how can we naturally boost our testosterone? Well, I will tell you that exercise and weightlifting can naturally boost it. Eating a balanced diet of protein, fat, and carbohydrates Minimizing stress can lead to uh, optimization of cortisol levels. Cortisol is uh, basically our stress hormone and is an antagonist to testosterone. So when our cortisol level is is very high, it can actually antagonize the production of testosterone. Uh, taking vitamin D supplements can be beneficial. A multivitamin, getting good sleep. We've often talked about sleep on uh, Sports Medicine Weekly episodes as a recovery mode. And Obviously, following a healthy healthy lifestyle in general. Those are all natural ways to boost our testosterone short of actually uh, assuming testosterone replacement therapy. So I think some of the take-homes are that testosterone is very important. It's important in men and women. It manages a lot of functions. It's produced in the testicles and the ovaries. It's also produced by our adrenal glands. It's managed by our brain. Uh, there's a feedback loop that sort of optimizes it, but sometimes there are individuals who have low testosterone due to the inability to produce normal levels. If one is considering testosterone replacement therapy, it's very important to obtain blood tests that measure free and total and bound testosterone. And then have a physician respond to that with the proper management of testosterone replacement therapy if, if that physician believes it's indicated. And that can be in the form of gels. It could be a form of pills uh, that are or pellets that are inserted in the skin. But again, it's very important that the goal is to achieve normal levels and not what we call supra-physiologic levels. So I think when it comes to athletes, one of the most challenging situation is the ethical discussion as well as the medical discussion and where they meet in the middle when athletes are contemplating testosterone replacement therapy. I think one of the challenges is that one philosophy is that we take the athlete as they are, if you will, and let's assume they've achieved a very high level of performance and ability and recognition for their for their craft, yet they've done so uh, at a specific testosterone level. And arguably the range is very broad, you know, say it's two hundred to a thousand or eleven hundred. And one could say that, look, any which way I could replete or replace my testosterone, whether it's through normal ways or through replacement therapy, that should be fair game. And, you know, what's the controversy? I mean, I don't have any added advantage over you do uh, if I decide to do that or compared to their colleagues. So I I think I don't have a singular answer to this issue. I will tell you that it's fraught in um, a lot of controversy and ethical debate. I think what is well understood is that, uh, there, in no in no way, should it ever be accepted that an athlete should go for supra-physiologic levels. That's the first thing because that's a potential detriment to health. The second thing is that if an athlete is determined to be medically uh, hypogonadal, in other words, low T, that it has to be under the the supervision of a physician where blood tests are obtained regularly to make sure that they're, they're maintained in normal range. But beyond that, there's no question, there's a lot of discussion across sports platforms and you'll read. If you go, you can go back into early 2000 and follow it up to the present, how it it's played out in the NFL, how it's played out in baseball, how it's played out in MMA, and so forth. Because there's no question that testosterone replacement can have a positive impact on muscle mass, endurance, and so forth. So you would argue that it isn't. It is a enhancing drug, right? So the question is, you know, what is an individual's baseline? What are the What are the ethical consequences of taking that baseline that they've lived with and gotten to the level or achieved the level that they've 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 uh, you know come to enjoy in their sport and then they're basically saying look I just want to optimize myself like ju- like just like everybody else who, ro- who walks around naturally at 900 why are not I not entitled to do the same and I don't you know there are pundits there are people who be very critical of this and there are those who would say look you know you're 900 why am I not why don't I get to have that advantage of being at 900 and if I could do it naturally or, or with a pe- with a with a with a gel or a, something placed uh, you know in my subcutaneous fat in, a, in the form of a pellet how come I can't do that you know, you're fortunate enough to have it naturally. I get to get it, you know, with some supplement, but I'm not asking to be super physiologic. So I think that I, I, you know, there is no singular answer there, and I will tell you it's played out differently across all sport platforms in terms of when is it proper. I think there's only basic things that are take home for our listeners, and that's it has to be under medical supervision. You would not do it unless you were diagnosed as basically having low T in terms of under uh, a physician's uh, supervision. But I think the biggest controversy is what about being high normal? And I don't really have a, a specific answer to that. And it's really often guided by uh, the various platforms, whether it's WADA uh, who, who man, or, or others who manage individual sports. And sometimes these rules differ across different sport platforms, such as the NFL, NBA, and so forth. So um, there's a lot to learn on the topic, but I would encourage our listeners to, you know, to simply look to some of the authentic websites and even going to NFL or uh, NBA websites uh, that are in the public domain to help us understand that issue further. One other point uh, to add on to my co- my last comments about natural ways to boost our testosterone, such as nutrition, exercise, and so forth, are that there's no question we've seen a sort of a slide of what normal levels can be because you know in our current environment where we're dealing with um, preservatives and and food supplements and so forth, I think there clearly may be a a trend towards shifting to the left, if you will, to lower testosterone levels. And this concept of what's normal and abnormal has clearly evolved over time. I will tell our listeners that. One thing that has guided utilization is that insurance companies, for example, won't cover it unless you're below a certain level. And, and that can range between 300 and 500, uh, where you're considered hypogo- hypogonadal, if you will. So even though 200 on some reference ranges is listed as the bottom, you don't have to be a 200 to give a cover by insurance, but they're certainly not going to cover it if you're, say, in the 600 to 1,000 range testosterone replacement therapy is actually very expensive if someone decides to pay out of pocket. So even if they're able to obtain a prescription, if insurance isn't covering it because the medical necessity is not there, it is very expensive on a monthly basis. The other thing is that testosterone replacement therapy is cumbersome and you've gotta do it regularly. And like, you know, those who choose to use gels, for example, over the pellets, which can be placed every couple of weeks that maintain normal levels, the gels are very inconvenient. It takes time to dry. They're often alcohol or glycerol based that uh, take time to evaporate. And you gotta be very careful around your family and, and other individuals because it can contaminate and it can go on towels and things of that nature where you would inadvertently raise testosterone levels in people who should not experience that. And that can be very detrimental to people who walk around with normal testosterone levels. So um, it's not it's not hassle free. It's very expensive. And I will tell you that in terms of the normal range, I think we have had a shift, and what we're often dealing with is what the laboratory values are set at and the reference range is set at. And you know, I think there's probably only so much that individuals can achieve without replacement therapy, such as by the through exercise and proper nutrition. I think there's definitely you know ways to enhance and optimize our body's natural ability to produce it. Through the the testicles, the adrenals, or heard from the ovaries, uh, but I would submit to our listeners that it becomes um, a a economic decision and uh, a logistic uh, uh, decision in terms of how you decide to do this day in and day out. When you if you are formally diagnosed as having low T, and you are trying to get into to a sort of the higher normal range, somewhere say between five hundred and a thousand, versus living between two hundred and five hundred, uh, which is the range where insurance companies anyway will consider covering it. So if you want to learn more about this, I would encourage you to, t- to tune into our Sports Medicine Weekly episodes in the future. And I would also encourage you to go to our website, sportsmedicineweekly.com. Remember, all net proceeds go to support research
1: at Rush University Medical Center
0: in the Department of Orthopedics.
1: The Sports Medicine Weekly podcast is sponsored by Vericell. Varicell develops, manufactures, and markets autologous cell-based therapies for patients with serious diseases and conditions. For more information about their products, visit www.vcell.com. That's V-C-E-L dot Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. To be your best, you start with best practices. Eat better. Grow stronger. Reach higher. At Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, their work is what best practices are built upon. They're a team of leading physicians with the highest level of experience and training, prolific researchers delivering pioneering breakthroughs, orthopedic experts that other orthopedic specialists and their patients come to when they need individualized care. Get it done right the first time at Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. Visit RushOrtho.com thebest the best to learn more.